Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. Hope you're okay on Tuesday, September the 26th. And we're going to start today by hearing from a Chatham dad who's issued a warning after a fire at his house was caused by leaving electrical items on charge. A bedroom at the property on St Mary's Island was badly damaged, but crews say the flames didn't spread further because the internal doors had been closed. Now, a vape was among the devices being charged, which set alight to to a pile of clothes. Richard Danaher has been speaking to Kate. We all now have things on charge. Every single person. I work in people's homes every day um, and I see iPhone chargers, every charger you can possibly imagine, drill chargers, and everything is turned on. The fire um, brigade said that one of the biggest things for house fires is dishwashers, putting them on at night. And, you know, people are drummed into their minds that electricity is cheaper at night so if you're going to do a cycle on a dishwasher you're going to put it on at night it's got an eco mode so everybody charges things we all charge our phone anyone who works now charges their phone at night um you know our home phones are on charge if you look around your home and there is so much turned on and we just we just think that it's safe and it's not and i've been guilty in the past and i think everybody has of you get your smoke alarms and they start beeping when the battery's going low and you take it off to you get a new battery. Well, thank God, all of our smoke alarms were um, operable and were all um, all working. But again, anybody out there that has got a smoke alarm sitting on their windowsill because it was making some noise, please buy a battery. Buy a battery and get it back on the ceiling because this could not only save your life, but save the smallest thing your daughter's teddy bear that your daughter might be 18 years old and she's had a teddy bear since she was born you know we've got stuff like that we we, we haven't really been able to go in the room yet and we know we're going to come across quite personal stuff that is gone forever and how have you changed your how have you changed your day to day i mean have you started unplugging things from the wall how has it changed what you do yeah yeah definitely you know um unplugging things from the wall um we've got um sockets now that have got built-in usb plugs i don't even trust those i take the wires out of those um you know i i looked around at our smoke alarms and many people might not know that a smoke alarm has got an expiry date so um that they last for about 10 years so i know that our smoke alarms are due to be replaced in 2025 so uh i wouldn't have known that so there's many there's many things you learn and you look around and uh yeah and you just hope that you're safe. But there's also, you know, again, there's many, um, you know, there's these copies now, aren't there, of, of all kinds of charges that I've, that I've seen out there. You know, you can buy them on eBay. I mean, we never had any, but, you know, you, you look around and I just think it, you just don't know what's safe and what's not. If anybody, if I, if I could tell anybody anything now, it's just please, please check that, check your smoke alarms. If you don't have smoke alarms in every room and you can afford to, Please go out and get smoke alarms for those rooms. You know, our kids have electrical devices. They don't just have one or two now. They have their computers, their consoles, their TVs, their anything they're charging. This could be the difference in saving their life, saving your home, 
you know, make sure those smoke alarms work. And when you go out, make sure your, your doors are shut. And you can see pictures of the damage caused by the fire by clicking on the Medway pages of Kent Online. Kent Online News. A police officer has admitted five counts of sexual assault on a night out in Maidstone. PC Mark Slade was arrested after touching people without their consent in January. The 48-year-old, who was based at West Mercia Police in Worcestershire, has resigned from the force ahead of his sentencing. A gang member who took part in an armed attack at a house in Rochester is finally behind bars more than two years after it happened. Mohamed Mao and three others demanded money from a man at an address on Mercury Close in February 2021. The 28-year-old from East Ham in London has been locked up for six years and nine months. Elsewhere, a Maidstone man who tried to groom children via social media is starting seven years in prison. Gareth Lucas sent explicit images to the profiles of two 14-year-olds and even tried to meet one of them in Sevenoaks. But the accounts were fake and the 31-year-old from Hollingworth Road was arrested. Now, this is one of our most read stories on the website today. A professional boxer from Ashford who was caught with £35,000 worth of cocaine is starting more than two years in prison. Lucy joins me now with more on this one. Well, well to wait, Jack Eubank was arrested after being pulled over in his car in Bouverie Place in Folkestone. Police found four bags of the Class A substance and a further 12 bags when they searched the 33-year-old's home on Castle Hill Avenue. In court, prosecutors said the drugs would have been worth up to £34,700. It was also revealed a phone was seized and within the 36,000 messages were those that were indicative of drug supply. And he pleaded guilty, didn't he, Lucy? Yes, he admitted being concerned in the supply of cocaine and possessing criminal property. His barrister described him as a one-man band dealing small amounts and the court was also told he'd tried to turn his life around and used cognitive behavioural therapy. Despite this, the judge said he needed to be punished and sentenced him to two years and five months. Kent Online reports. A teenager who watched TikTok videos on how to get into the UK illegally has been locked up for two years. The 18-year-old piloted a small boat that crossed the channel with almost 60 other people on board last month. The Sudanese national told police he'd been given a €600 discount by a crime gang for taking control of the rip, which was intercepted by Border Force. A prolific shoplifter has been banned from parts of Sevenoaks and Swanley. We previously told you how Ray Stevenson had stolen £1,700 worth of alcohol from Asda on London Road. The 48-year-old from the High Street in Snodland avoided prison but can't go into areas of the town for the next five years. Emergency repairs are being carried out on the M20 after a crane hit a bridge. It happened on the London-bound stretch between Junction 3 for the M26 at Rootham and Junction 1 for the M25 at Swanley last night. Well, two lanes were closed for resurfacing work, which did cause long delays during the morning rush. Now, we've got reaction today to news that the number of appointments moved or cancelled because of strikes in England has passed 1 million. Almost 130,000 were affected just last week when junior doctors and consultants walked out at the same time. The health secretary has called the milestone grim but insists the wage offer made to medics is the final one. Lucy has been chatting to Dr Julian Spinks, who's a GP in Medway. So we had some news yesterday that more than a million appointments and procedures have now been cancelled because of strike action in the NHS. I mean, that's a huge number, isn't it? It is a very big number and you have 
remember that behind those numbers are individuals, people who are worried about their health, either waiting for a first appointment or a follow up for something and so on. So there is an impact, although you need, do need to put it into perspective in the sense that um, in England, there's about 122 million outpatient appointments a year. So one million is less than one percent. And if you look at last year, um, there were 11 and a half million appointments cancelled by hospitals, even though there was no strike. And likewise, uh, approaching seven million cancelled by patients. So it's a small number, but it still has a major impact. And of course, it means that those uh, appointments need to be replaced and waiting times are likely to go up. Yeah, we've heard a lot about waiting times um, lately and, and lists getting even longer. Obviously, there's backlog after COVID. I mean, are we caught up on that yet or is this still a really big issue? I think we're on the way to catching up. And obviously, the strike has delayed some of that catch up. Um, I had a look at the various trusts and the, the latest figures they were giving. We're talking about average waits of between about 10 and 16 weeks in Kent. Um, having said that, I know as a GP that some of the specialities, the waits are considerably longer. And I think it's going to take a long time unless we suddenly magic up more doctors uh, to bring those numbers and those weights down. Um, so it, it really depends on what's wrong with you. If it's a very common condition, you might not have a very long wait. If it's something that needs a specialist uh, or a super specialist in the field, then you'll have a long wait. Yeah, and I imagine it must be frustrating for anyone hearing, you know, that that there are these really long waiting lists and, and strikes are delaying them even more. I mean, we've had the first joint action by junior doctors and consultants this month. This seems to be sort of picking up pace, if anything. Yes, I, I hate to say it, but I think physicians are getting more entrenched. If you look at the latest vote that doctors did they had 98 percent of people voting to strike and that was with a turnout of 70 percent so actually a majority of the profession um, voted to strike that's actually stronger than previously at the other side we've got the government saying uh, we've told you you're getting six percent we're happy to talk to you but we won't change that position now we do need to have some shift uh, from both parties to really make this work. And up in Scotland, we have seen uh, the government there offer a large amount and some above inflation pay increases over several years to bring things back. And I think if they did that, they offered a bit more so it was above inflation this year and some sort of plan going forward to return things pays to normal, then I think the 35% the BMA are asking for would disappear. And of course, we've got more strike action on the way next week by junior doctors. What's going to be the impact then? And, and do you see any sign of this, you know, coming to an end anytime soon? I think the next strike will have similar impact, possibly not quite as much because there's no overlap uh, with the consultants. Um, but it will affect routine care, admissions, operations and outpatients. Um, and that's very sad. I would really like to see some movement in both directions from the government and the BMA to try and get this sorted out. We're heading into the winter period where demands go up dramatically, admissions go up and so on. And we really need to get this done and dusted before we get to the really bad time of the year. Kent Online reports. 
We've got some local political news for you now. And first up, Kent County Councillor looking to open a children's home for young, unaccompanied asylum seekers. The authority has a legal duty of care for under-18s who cross the channel in small boats, but has been struggling to find enough accommodation for them. Bosses are searching for a suitable building or land that could be converted. Meantime, the headquarters of Ashford Borough Council could be turned into social housing as the authority looks to move out. Local bosses need to make a saving of about £3 million to balance their books and relocating will save them around 1.3 million. Councillors say Ashford has a sizeable waiting list for social housing and converting the civic centre would also help them ramp up delivery. And the Kent Online podcast can reveal councils in Kent have failed to publish annual accounts, detailing how they've spent hundreds of millions of pounds of public money. Analysis by our political editor shows that most authorities are yet to comply with their legal requirement. One hasn't been able to publish accounts, would you believe, in four years. Now, councils say they're not to blame, but are waiting for auditors to sign off their paperwork. But why is it such an issue? Well, here is our political editor, Paul Francis. Now, under the law, councils are required to publish their accounts and have them properly audited by uh, external auditors. But for a couple of years now, there have been some difficulties with councils meeting these deadlines. And the reason they've had some difficulty meeting these deadlines is because the, the auditors have been hit by staff shortages, staff being ill with COVID, and they uh, have been unable to meet their requirement to sign off each local authority's set of accounts. So what's in these accounts? Well, most of the councils who have managed to produce their accounts for this year have done so with pages and pages of information. Kent County Council runs to about 140 pages and it can be quite daunting looking at those figures but they are there for the public council taxpayers to take a look at, to scrutinise and if they feel that the council has done something which it shouldn't have done or spent money in a way that raises questions they are able to call for the auditors to carry out a public interest test. Now, does it really matter that these accounts haven't been published or signed off by auditors? Now, the answer to that is yes and no. Yes, because uh, this is the way by which councils justify uh, their expenditure, tell us where they've got the money from, tell us where their budget difficulties lie, and altogether give us a picture of how they are financially secure or not financially secure. Uh, And it may not be the kind of thing that uh, you want to to spend hours looking at, but they are all available online. And you can read Paul's report in full and leave a comment by heading to the website. Kent Online News. A former Aldi in Hythe that's been left empty for four years has been described by local people as a blight on the town centre. Plans to turn the old supermarket into a mix of smaller shops and apartments were drawn up but never submitted to the council. Residents have complained that prime real estate is being wasted and would like to see it turned into a space for the community. Elsewhere, residents of a Kent village say it's scandalous that 
speed signs along a busy road have been vandalised. All four 20-mile-per-hour signs on the A2 in Newington High Street have had black paint smeared across them. The zone was introduced last April, but villagers say the limit isn't being stuck to. Another Wilco store in Kent will be closing for good later. The shop in Raynham is the latest to shut after the company went into administration. Dartford, Ramsgate and Stroud closed yesterday. Gillingham will go tomorrow, followed by Gravesend on Friday. The Freedom of Medway has been given to two charities to recognise the work they do in the towns. Chatham Historic Dockyard Trust and the Chatham branch of the Royal Naval Association have been awarded the honour at a special ceremony. It's the highest civic distinction, in fact. It's Council Leader Vince Maple. I want to say a huge thank you to both those organisations for what they do every single day. A great opportunity to say we're all very proud of what they do to make us proud to be Medway. An immersive art show is opening at Canterbury Cathedral today. The group behind this year's Shine event have created a new experience using light to bring artists' work to life. It's called Renaissance and it's going to be on every evening until Saturday. A pub in Tunbridge is going up against 15 others for the 2023 Pub of the Year Award. Nelson Arms has been chosen by members of the Campaign for Real Ale as the best in Kent with some of the other finalists for the county include the Berry in warmer the three doors in Gravesend and if you've ever fancied running your own vineyard you could be in luck one near Tenterden has gone on the market for £150,000 the Harborn vineyard is nearly three acres in size and has been producing bottles since the 1970s Kent Online Sports Cricket first up and Kent Zach Crawley is captaining the England team for their final one day match against Ireland he failed to get on the scoreboard in their 48 run victory in the second game at the weekend you may recall the first match was rained off, so England are leading the series 1-0. Meantime, Kent will be fighting to stay in Division 1 as they take on Lancashire at Canterbury in their final county championship match of the season. They're currently third from bottom in the table. On to football now, and Kent's Alessia Russo and Laura Coombs are both in the England squad for their game against the Netherlands later. The Lionesses beat Scotland in their first Nations League group match last Friday. The competition will also give them a chance to qualify for next year's Olympics. And finally, the founders of a Kent football club have been nominated for an Unsung Heroes in Football Award. Steve Bowers and Bob Chivington have been running Sinkports FC in Deal for over 10 years, paying for renovations and equipment out of their own pockets. Well, they hope the nomination will help them finally get the team a permanent location. What we discovered, Steve and I, was that there was an area of football that wasn't covered when when um, lads reached their... Uh, under 18 stage or and then uh, were introduced into uh, adult football there wasn't a lot of opportunities in the in the Dover district area um if they if they didn't weren't good enough to play at local level with the senior level which was like step five in the national non-league pyramid that there wasn't anything else there were no clubs in in Dover that were running football Sunday football um, but, but that's an entirely different um, part of grassroots. So Saturday is a little bit more intense and more organised. So I'd like that idea of progressing the youngsters and giving them a chance to continue their football. And, and that's how we started. Yeah, really. there's, there's yeah. a distinct gap between, for example, Dover Athletic, just literally seven, six, seven miles down the road. Um, clearly, you know, that, that they have good years, bad years, like every club, of course. Um, and then Deal Town, for example, who would be semi-pro, uh, and again steps higher than than this gap. 
So there is really nowhere to go, and there isn't, unless there are these volunteers to pick the bits up for players who are absolutely good enough to play <coughs> county-level football, which which is what we do. So we play in the county league. Um, and there was this gap, and there's always this gap. Now, of course, having had this bright idea 13, 14 years ago together and seen the gap, uh, when there was only one other club locally, which was Woodenisborough, um, who owned their own ground at the time, and they still do, of course, which is what we still aspire to do. And what, what that's that's the holy grail we're still chasing. Always is permanent home, um, and um, the journey began. And it's it, we've had fantastic support from the local authority, from Dover district officers, um, and 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 uh, many of their councillors as well, um, to support us on the journey. But we're still searching and we've been through and ground shared with five different locations. And we're now playing at Mark Wood in Deal, which is a lovely location. It was currently, when we took it on three or four years ago, um, used to play a lot of Sunday League football. Um, but that's with the demise of Sunday football more and more, unfortunately. Um, the Deal at leagues had collapsed. So there was no football at that level at all on a Saturday in, in the town. Or Sunday. Or Sunday at that point, so we we took that took that mantle, and we're lucky enough by the district to be offered Markwood, which is a basically it's an open spaces recreation ground like so many, but the pavilion is pavilion is lovely. I mean, it's obviously a sort of nineteen fifty style building. We've spent this person we've spent a good deal of, of time, money, and love, blood, blood, sweat, and tears on the building uh, to get it in good order because it was starting to. Um, it, you know, just just it to wasn't be, being used. Wasn't being used. And you know what happens to buildings when they're not used? They attract the wrong attention. Um, but as soon as we moved in, started to upgrade it with with the local authorities' assistance as well, of course, and support. Um, and the journey began. And um, so that's where we currently are playing on a local with support of the district authority. The winners will be announced next month. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok and Threads. You can also get details on the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing. And to sign up to that, you just need to head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.